Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome. Back to the Legends Lounge. I'm Drew Withers, and with me in the lounge today, we have former Pasadena High Bulldog and New Mexico Lobo. He was a five-time champion as a member of the L.A. Lakers, a multiple-time champion as a head coach of the L.A. Sparks and Albuquerque Thunderbirds. We got Michael Cooper in the house. First things first, how you doing, man? Thank you for joining us. Doing wonderful. Today's a little overcast. Uh, I'm at uh, Cal State L.A., a Division II school in Los Angeles, and I'm assistant coach and doing wonderful. Okay, excuse me. I, I forgot a title. I was listing off your uh, your coaching titles. Did, did I forget anything else? Well, I coached in the D League, and I coached uh, in Denver for seventeen games, and coached the Atlanta Dream, and uh, coached the Thunderbirds. So you missed a few, but don't worry about it. <laughs> you wear a lot of hats. We'll we'll get into some. There of you them. go. Uh, I got one big head for a lot of hats. <laughs> Now, I know you've been keeping up with the, the NBA offseason and everything just tipped off. You Did you watch the games? <sighs> and I'm a little – that's why it's overcast here because the Lakers <laughs> did not do well. Uh, no. They let this team beat them five straight times now. and uh, But you know what? It's early in the season, so hopefully they'll be able to overcome. What do you see from – again, early, just, just the first game against defending champion Nuggets – what do you see or who do you think will need to step up? What X factors you see? Well, I, I think AD is going to have to, you know, if he's going to be the face of the team now and uh, the organization, he's going to have to come with a better game, I think, you know. But, again, it's it's the first game of the season. You know, unfortunately, it was against the uh, defending champions. But usually the team coming in on ring night, you're able to steal a win. So I was hoping that the Lakers would play well enough to kind of get a win. But you know what? That team showed that they're ready to defend their title. And uh, it's going to be an interesting season all year long. Now, you mentioned ring night. You you were present at a few of those. You say it's easy for the other team to come in and, and steal one? Yeah, usually because on ring night, you, you, you know, you're, you're reliving last year's championship and you get to, to live it in front of the fans now in your home arena. And, you know, there's a lot of distractions. you got tickets that you got to get out. Everybody wants to come. Uh, you're wondering what the rings are going to look like. It's just a lot of things going on. The emotion level is high for your rings, not necessarily high for the game itself. So right. usually, uh, and I've been in on five of those, so uh, I think we lost four, I believe, okay. <laughs> of the five. Uh, so there's just a lot going on and. And usually the opposing team comes in and they're kind of a little uh, pissed because, you know, you, you chose them to have your ring night on. So, uh, again, it was the Lakers. And I was hoping that the Lakers would play better. They played extremely well, hmm. but I thought that they were able to get this one. Did you see any of the other game? We had uh, Suns and Warriors as so well. That, game too. that was a very good game. Uh, you know what? I wasn't a big believer in the Suns. Uh, obviously, Why that whole that? team has been revamped. Uh, new coach. Uh, coming there, uh, you know, and then again, they're going against a former player that has established a lot in the Phoenix area, which was Chris Paul, who's now on another team. 
So I thought that uh, that was a very well-played game. I didn't know how Booker would do as being as the, the, the point guard, but you know what? They are going to be a team they reckon with all year, and I, I, I got to give them kudos. Mm. Are there any other teams you've just you know got an eye out or players you're looking forward to, to watching this new season? Well, you know, if you look, look out west, obviously you, we saw the, the top three right there. But again, mm. you, Sacramento is going to be a force, I really do believe. I believe Memphis is going to come around and, you know, they're missing their best player job for a good portion of the season. But I still think they're going to be a team that you're going to have to deal with in the end. I think uh, the Clippers are definitely a team that's going to be seeking to uh, raise their head and make some noise out west. So you got five or six teams right there that are definitely going to cause some problems uh, for the Lakers as well as many other teams. So it's going to be fun. And now with that new in, what is it, the in tournament, in season tournament. Gonna I was going to ask up, you about that. That's going to add a new dynamic to all of this too. What do you make of that? Like this is the first year of it. It'll start. I believe it's November. Is when yeah, it starts, starts, November, yeah starts November. So what's yeah? What's your take on that? You know what, Tyler? I think the 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 it, it had a great uh, exhibition point, so to say, in the WNBA. The WNBA mm -hmm. used it and it really worked well there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why the NBA is adopting it. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I don't really know the whole dynamics of it because I haven't read up about it. You know, there's extra incentive for money, and I, mm. I believe. So tell me. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know too much about it. But uh, it could be a, a interesting, a, a different twist to the league because usually people wait until, you know, April, May when the playoffs are coming in. Now you got things going on in the middle of the season, and it's going to create that uh, so-called um, – uh, what is that thing they call uh, parody? Low management oh, junk. Mm. It's gonna it's gonna put a stymie <laughs> on that a little bit because you know it's your marquee players are gonna play. And you know what? I heard Charles Barkley say something on TV last night. Is about you know these guys make a lot of money. Mm. And again, I, I'm all for that because the NBA has only grown and grown since we played in the '80s, and I think we were the establishing part to where we made it fun and interesting. So now these guys are reaping the benefits. And Charles said, "You're making 30, 40, 50 million, and you're tired. <laughs> this is what you get paid to do. You get paid to play basketball. So right. uh, you know you have adequate rest. Uh, but that in-season tournament is definitely going to add to that because again." What is it? No two superstars can sit out. One of them has to play. Yeah, you're going to have to have one of them available. Yeah. For national televised games. In the arena. So if you don't play, mm -hmm. kids still want to see you. And if you're not in uniform, it's a little sad, but at least I can see my favorite player sitting on the bench. So uh, the in, in season tournament will, you know, cap that a little bit, but it'll still, like I said, make an interesting um, twist to the whole season because you got things going on prior to the all-star game that's happening then then you got the all-star game then mm -hmm. you got the, the people playing for uh, the play-in tournament and mm -hmm. so basketball in the nba is just going to be a little bit more exciting and and it makes those 82 games you have to you have to come play everyone definitely another new change they had uh, you have to play 65 games minimum now to qualify for all nba what do you what do you think about that you think there should be a, a minimum should it be higher should it be lower 
I think that I think that's appropriate. You know, sixty-five. Uh, you know, when we played, it was at eighty-two. You know, you had to come play. But I think guys taking time off and still winning. You know, and you know, guys are injured and and you get fatigued. But still, there's awards that could be won because it's in your contract. If you make first team All NBA, you get X amount of money. If you make All Star, you get X amount of money. And that wasn't fair to the people, the guys coming off the bench. And I can speak for them because I came off the bench and. You know, I'm playing a lot of minutes and not getting reaping the benefit of that because you got a guy playing 54, 55 games, averaging 28 a game and being considered for an all-star game. And uh, so they're just trying to even the playing field for everybody, which I think is appropriate because, again, if you're good, uh, you deserve any individual awards you get as far as being recognized uh, first team, second team, all-NBA, all-star and all that. Now, you played 82 games quite a bit. Was that a goal, like, going into every year, like, I want to play in every game? Was that, like, a team, a mandate, a mindset? Where? No, it was just a mindset. I think yeah. every player that played in the 80s, and I think players today still want to play, but, again, Definitely. You know, the uh, coaches' decisions and management kind of gets a little bit involved on who plays and stuff like that. But when we played, man, unless you were hurt, now, if you're injured, you know, uh, you can't, you can play, you know, twist the ankle. I injured my ankle, but if I'm hurt, bad knee or something like that, no, you can't play. But we wanted to play every time. If I could step on the floor and get up and down, at least give it a try. That's what mm -hmm. we tried to do. And so it was a, kind of like a badge of honor for us. I know magic myself, worthy AC green was the iron man that played mm -hmm. like AC had every my record. game. Yeah. My record. Yeah. So <laughs> I went about four years where I played 82 games, mm -hmm. played in every game and then every playoff games. And, you know, it's just a badge of honor. You know, you work hard to get to the NBA. So why sit down when you can, you know, uh, like I said, if you're hurt or injured, those two things are a big factor. But I came to play every night. Mm. Now, by the time people hear this, uh, Victor Wimbanyama will have made his debut. He recently said, you know, I, I'm going to try to play every 82. Like you were saying, guys have the mentality of trying to play all 82. But just as far as Victor Wimbanyama, what have you seen in general? I'm curious, how would you defend him? Because I know guys with that defensive <laughs> mindset, I know you're always thinking about it. So how how would you defend him? What do you, what do you, you know think? What? The young man is so long. He, he would be a player I could not guard. You know, there was only one unstoppable shot in the NBA, and that was a sky hook. Mm -hmm. Houston Rockets tried to double, triple team Kareem, and Kareem was always going to get that shot off if he wanted to. But if you dip, double and triple team, Kareem was always looking for that open player. Victor, uh, for me, is in that category. He has an unstoppable shot at 7'4", seven, 7'5", seven, I believe he is, 6'7", six, mm. seven, six. The young man has a jump shot. Who Who's going to get up there and block his jumper? Nobody. Nobody. So he has an unstoppable shot because of his height and size, and I like it. I think the problem that Coach Popovich have in San Antonio is how, where to play him. You right. know, you don't want to just stick him down low because him being so thin, they're just. I see a lot of teams are trying to be real physical with him, but he has the ability to step out on that perimeter mm -hmm. and cause some havoc out there because he can shoot the three, he can handle the basketball, he can. Uh, he's a very versatile player, so he's a young man that I think the league is really, really hanging a lot on, and I think he's going to pay pay the bill. Or he'll fit the bill and pay the bill because he can play and he's only going to get better as he understands this league more and more and more. Hmm. Now, he's been in the news. We were talking some before we started recording. You've been in the news for what you said uh, about LeBron James uh, eating on the bench. What for the people who didn't know, what, what was your take on? Well, you know, I, I said what I said. I, it, 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 you know, I think it's just uh, you don't do that. 
and uh, I'm a Laker player, and Lakers are the only organization I know. And I really do believe that if LeBron were to do that over again, he probably would do it different. But again, it, it was something that was small fry that people turned into a big thing. But that's just who I am. I'm, you know, again, a lot of people call me old head, but old head. I remember these old heads made the new heads that they're playing today made the game enjoyable. So, uh, but no, you just uh, you just don't want to see that. And that's the way it is. Hmm. Now, I won't hold you too long, but I would like to get into some of your career. I mentioned you started at Pasadena City College, and then you transferred. So how what was that that transition like for you, Cali guy going down to New Mexico? Well, you know what? It was about getting a scholarship, and I went two years of junior college first, and then after that I finished. Then because coming out of high school, I didn't have a lot of opportunities um they, there was no aau basketball in the 70s going up for us it was either the boys club or the y and that was just to get some more extra playing time but there was no opportunities for us to be seen in the summertime for colleges to evaluate and then offer kids scholarships so i went two years jc and that's where i kind of made my bidding and um as i made that and once i finished my my sophomore year there that's when pretty much everybody came calling I had uh, opportunities to go to USC, uh, uh, UNLV, the Running Rebels, Michigan mm -hmm. State. I could have played with Magic. But New Mexico offered me an opportunity to go and start right away. And uh, they had a, a big boycott down there on the team where all the players left for some reason or another. And when we came down, Coach Ellenberger recruited seven JUCO All-Americans. Wow. And uh, we went and down there. Start and the first, right away. First thing he said, "I'm gonna throw the ball up, and the best five are gonna start." And I said, "I take those chances right there." So <laughs> that's how I ended in New Mexico, and very glad I did. At what point does the NBA start to feel like it's always a goal? But what point does it start to feel attainable? You know what? In today's game, players can see the re they can see the light at the end of the tunnel now because of where you go to school, whether it be right. or Louisville or you know New Mexico. But back then. I was just using school to get an education mm. and uh, going there, uh, like I said, uh, Coach Ellenberger recruited a guy named Marvin Johnson mm. out of Florida. And Marvin was a big time scorer, man. Marvin had 50 points in, in a game in college with us without mm. the three point line. And so Marvin was a shooter and everybody was coming to see him. Chicago Bulls, Jerry West came down. Uh, he had almost every scout. So I said, you know what? They're coming down here. Let, hey, let me show them what I can do. Right. They got to see me I too. Kinda, that's exactly. That's how I kind of got found uh, spotted by Jerry West. Hmm. And uh, being a 60th player picked in the third round, which is, <laughs> I wouldn't even be drafted in today's. <laughs> they don't have that uh, anymore. Yeah. So. Uh, I was very fortunate, and uh, that's where the Lakers found me. What would you say is your welcome to the NBA moment? <clears throat> you know, when I first got with the Lakers and I was uh, – uh, I got injured my first year, and I was on the team with Ron Boone, the late, great Lou Hudson, Adrian Dantley, Jim Price, a lot of veterans on that team. And coming in, when they made the change and brought in myself and Magic and Ron Carter, and then they just added the pieces around what they had there with Norm Nixon, Jamal Wilkes, and Kareem, mm. I finally made the team. So they ended up cutting a lot of those older veteran players. So Ron Boone ended up a very good, uh, small, he was a shooting guard at that time. Ron ended up in Utah, the wow. Utah Jazz. My first game, we're playing, well, my first season. Mm. And I forget what game it was, but we were playing there. And Ron 
was a starter for that team because he, you know, still had a little left. They, they put me in the game. And Tyler, I'm in the game. I'm like, wow, I'm in the NBA and I'm running around. So I got the ball. Uh, we were coming down the court. Ron Boone was guarding me. And I, I remember passing the ball to Magic and I was going to make a cut to the basket. Mm. And Ron Boone hit me with a forearm. <laughs> Bow, right in the chest. And he says, welcome to the NBA, MF. <laughs> and it knocked my breath away from me, but it took the silliness and the newness of the NBA out of me. And let I you said, know. I got to be on my toes from here on out. So, you know, that moment actually made me a better player. It made me tough, for sure. And it showed me that the NBA was very, very physical. I'm sorry, you thought Ron was your friend, and Ron was letting you know this is <laughs> – in between the lines. Man, you know what people don't really realize is that when you in the, in the I'll call it the real world, the people that are out there working nine to fives, you know what? You go and you apply for a job and say you go in and the supervisor hires you and they fire somebody else. Well, that guy is, you know, he's losing a paycheck and he has a family at home that he got to take care of. In the NBA, you don't see things like that. And that's what it's about, man. If you, you know, you, you're out there with a veteran and a young guy comes in, this guy getting ready to take my money from me or my spot so I can keep getting a paycheck. And, you know, when you think about it that way, it makes you realize is that you're in the workforce and you have to come out and be prepared and do your job on a professional level every single night because you can be cut. And unfortunately or fortunately, unfortunately, you know, if you get injured, then you lose, you know, you, you're doing harm not only to yourself, but your family if you have yeah. kids and a wife at home. So uh, that is what basketball is all about in reality. But there's so much money to be made now that guys have a tendency to lose focus about that. Mm. When would you say you felt like you belonged in the NBA? Because you go from, you know, third round pick, injured some of your first year, and then by your second year, you played, I think, every game regular season and postseason. Yeah, so that's you get there pretty quickly. So when would you say you felt like you belonged? My first year, uh, we were playing and we were playing against the Seattle Supersonics who had won the championship in 1979. So we're playing in 1980. And where I felt I belong is when we dethroned them in the Western Conference Championship. Uh, we beat a very good team, the late, great Dennis Johnson, Gus Williams, Jack Sigma late Lonnie Shelton they had a very good basketball team and when we upset them at the University of Washington because the Seattle Kingdome was being repaired so we played a, a, at a college the University of Washington when we beat them and the way we beat them and it was a tough series but that's when I said you know what I can do this and I belong here and I was I felt I was a Laker from then on out mm. now we'll won't keep you Tyler, too when long. Did you, when did you feel, feel that you belong and what you're doing now? Oh, what was I, your welcome to the world? I belong here moment. Uh, who said it's happened yet? Who said I felt like I belonged yet? <laughs> no. I, <laughs> now, there was a time I talked to a former teammate of yours. I had a chance to interview Kareem uh, once in New York and a second time in Charlotte. And the second time oh, okay. he either said good to talk to you again. I don't know if he meant it. But or he was just being polite. And I was like, oh, maybe he remembered me again. That's when I felt like maybe Cap, I belong. Cap Memphis, because he don't say things just to be saying things. I don't I didn't think he was much for, you know, fluffery. So I, <laughs> I, I thought he was honest there. Now, I know you got some some coaching to get to. So we'll leave you to it. But when did you know you wanted to be a coach? You mentioned some of the like NBA, WNBA, G League, high school. When did you know you wanted to get into coaching? 
Well, you know what? The way that a lot of my coaches, my high school coach was a very fundamentally sound coach. Coach Turgeon passed on. Um, he was a he set the stage for me defensively, showed me how to get my feet moving and staying low. Then I go to New Mexico with Coach Norm Ellenberger and Coach Ellenberger, who's passed on. Coach Ellenberger gave me that tenacity to get in somebody's chest and not let up and, and be relentless on defense. And then getting to the NBA and then playing for several coaches there. Coach Jack McKinney, who never really finished the job, but Coach Westhead took over, and then Pat Riley took over. And Pat Riley's attention to detail, mm -hmm. the way he prepared us to go into battle, to play every game, playoff games, and the videos we had to watch, our scouting reports. I knew that I was being prepared for something other than after for life after basketball. So uh, once I finished playing basketball, I still wanted to stay close to the game. And that was my way of doing it, was getting into coaching. And I, I spent uh, four years under Dale Harris, who coached with the Lakers in the early 90s. And uh, that is when I knew that I wanted to be a coach. But Pat Riley is the one I patterned my coaching style after more because of the way he really coached us and, and the drills we ran in practice and, and getting us ready to play. And uh, it's been a joy. I enjoy coaching. I enjoy working with young people. I've worked on both sides of the fence, coaching the WNBA and you know, that was a job in itself because, you know, I, I was I had a lucky job. You know, there's a lot of men out here that can't handle one woman, uh, have one woman like them. I had 14 of them liking me, plus my <laughs> wife at the time. So I was very fortunate. But to coach the great Lisa Leslie, Delisha Milton, just to name a few, uh, then going to Atlanta. So coaching is kind of like been in my blood. And I've just tried to coach the players that I coach now, the way that I was coached, and I've been successful so far. Hmm. And last question I have for you, what's something that Michael now would tell 18-year-old Michael? To be patient with yourself. Uh, as you go through life, and I have an 18-year-old son now, and he is attending Pepperdine as a freshman up there playing on the team. And uh, I try not to coach my kids. I have four kids all together but this is my youngest on my second marriage but he is a basketball player and when i talk to kids at camps or anywhere i do the laker camps and i tell my son be patient with yourself and you can use that in any any part of your life whether you're on the court or off the court it's just have patience because you know what you're my higher power which is the lord jesus christ has set you up for greatness and in yourself is greatness and if you just be patient with yourself and do things at the time that you're supposed to do them and when they come you'll be successful there it is michael cooper thank you so much for stopping by the lounge man tyler i wish i could spend more time with you because you're so even killed and low i want to see if i could ruffle your feathers with some other trivia question but we'll save that for another time also you got an open seat you can come back anytime I plan on coming back. When I come back, I'm going to stay for an hour, okay? And I'm going to okay. really give you some juicy goods, okay? I'm Tyler, ready. thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thank you, man. Okay. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank everybody for stopping by the Legends Lounge, brought to you by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. Give us a follow on Twitter at NBA Legends Lounge, and be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcast. We'll catch you next time. Mm -hmm.